Welcome to the Drive In Me podcast, brought to you by Toyota Jamaica, now leasing directly to your business, tailoring lease and lease to own options with island wide maintenance. More on that later in the episode. The Drive In Me series will feature interviews with some of the brightest minds in business in Jamaica, curating insights and learnings from leading business people and sharing firsthand the fundamental rules of business that have guided them on the road to progress. In this episode, we meet media personality Dr. Terry Carell reed a leading event host, an internationally acclaimed speaker, author and community builder. Terry Carell's achievements in events and entertainment have received global recognition. She spoke of the early influence of her grandmother, who inspired her in her formative years, how she learned to fail fast in order to meet life's challenges, and she spoke of the resilience and excellence that exists within the DNA of the Jamaican people. It's interesting. In my formative years, absolutely. Absolute risk taker. You know, someone suggests something, you try it out, you want to do the play, you want to be the lead star in the play. Oh, I'll just give it a go. You know, you have to sing. I can't sing, but I'm going to sing anyway. I've always been that. And I think my grandmother instilled that in me. Just try. Give it a go. If you fail once, that doesn't mean you stop, try again. But if you realize consistently that this is not the thing for you, it's okay for you to walk away. So my grandmother basically helped me to, to find my footing in that, that respect. Somewhere around college, when you start looking toward, um, I think, the professional world now, you start thinking, safe. You know, you, you no longer just want to try things out. It's okay. You've dedicated yourself and your time and your energies and effort to a particular thing, to subjects, to a particular career. And so you go in thinking, all right, just do the right thing. Just do all the things that should, you know, increase your probability of being successful. But eventually you realize that the spirit is a spirit. The heart wants what it heart, the heart wants what it wants. And so... As other suggestions were made to me, I, I started being curious about other things and I was not afraid to just try it out. If you're going to fail, fail fast and then ask yourself very quickly, what have you learned? What did you do wrong? What would you do better? And the faster you fail, the faster you learn, guess what? It's the faster you master. And I think I've held on to these nuggets that I've learned, not just from my grandma, but these amazing people along my life. And I've applied it um, to, my, to my life. No matter how great you are, even if you don't go out of your way to be malicious or to hurt people, there are going to be people who will be uncomfortable and insecure about how you present yourself in your most authentic manner. And she says, you're going to have a choice. You can either choose to stay on course, choose to keep your head on your body, choose to get your A's and to be great in what you do, or you can listen to them dumb down, stop answering questions, stop being great. And then you'll become a nobody. She says, and you know what they'll do? They'll then talk about you as being someone who is a nobody. So she said, choose. And so you have to understand my grandma is Panamanian. She's also Scorpio. So she, you know, she's extremely fiery. She's Salsosa. Everybody knows her, Jeannie baby. She's going to be 93 this year. So from her, I learned you know, you have to define what you want for yourself and you can't allow anybody to do it for you. And then my mom was just the hustler. She was the grinder. So she taught me independence that you have to go for what you, you want because it's not going to just drop in your lap. 
not if you're beautiful not if you have a nice body those things don't matter you have to be on your grind you have to be proud of making your own money and then being smart with it so i think those are the two biggest influences in my life for sure <laughs> i think historically um and and that's why i think history was one of my favorite subjects in in high school um simply because historically even under the most oppressive uh conditions even when people were literally going out of their way to break us and to break our spirits and to make us feel less of ourselves and to convince us that we were no one even then understanding even dividing us as people taking away people from their families under the most extreme conditions understanding that you can try and you can come but you shall fail because you can bend us maybe but you'll never break us and i think historically understanding how our ancestors were willing to fight and to lay down their lives for what they believed in for their values for their principles for the rights to be treated like humans it is only inevitable that those of us who are the offspring are going to feel the very same way and it is going to be something that is a part of who we are and how we identify as as Jamaicans we're always going to fight and we're always going to fight to the end and if you leave it up to us we will win because i will unapologetically state that excellence is in our dna we 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 don't understand basic we can't compute mediocrity or just being average We want to be great. We want to be excellent. We want to be standouts. Um and we don't believe that anyone is above us, regardless of our size, geographically or otherwise. We will always be the David in the David and Goliath story and we make no apologies for it. Of course, naturally that that attitude can sometimes rub other people the wrong way, but um I think it's a part of not just our coping mechanism but it is our competitive nature that that always sees us coming out as you know wanting to be the best because why should we be good when we can be great and we live up to that hype we absolutely live up to that hype Terry Carell describes the special relationship she has with her audience and how she taps into the cycle of inspiration within the community she has built she spoke about reframing the idea of being an influencer to being a person of influence who supports a non-commercial more respectful relationship with her audience. So I'm always I'm always referred to as an influencer until I I literally put it up in my bio that I am not an influencer although I do acknowledge that I'm a key person of influence. Um and for some people it may sound like it's semantics but for me it, it there is a there it, there is a distinction. When someone says influencer people almost always believe that this person will accept money or whatever deal agreement in order to promote or sell a product or service and give access to the community so when they hear influencer they expect you to have a rate card and that you are open to just dealing and for me it's never been like that um i have a large community a captive audience and i'm extremely protective of them and so naturally it becomes a little bit weird when people approach me even agencies abroad approach me to get access to my community and i say no i'm not an influencer and they go well clearly your community wouldn't be this large if you weren't and so i told him well i'm a community builder that's how i actually view myself 
I put a lot of time and energy and effort and love into nurturing and cultivating my community. So yes, I am an influencer for my community, but that's not necessarily something that I will um, turn into to, to something commercial. And so where I do understand that it is an actual valid form of income for people, that's just not the, the route that I want for, for myself. So when my community sees me endorse something or speak about a particular brand, they know that it is coming from a place of absolute um, respect and honor from me rather than, oh, she's just selling another service or brand. And I think that has maintained the level of credibility that I have with my audience. When I started posting across social media, I never posted with building a community in mind. It was never the goal was to get people, to influence people. I was simply presenting myself as Terry Carell and whoever wants to come along on this journey could, whether it was two likes or 20 likes. And eventually my community grew. And so from that standpoint, what I will say is when I started, it was just me engaging and interacting. And I didn't know that I would grow such a beautiful community. Um, what I will say, though, is as I have grown, I have learned as much from my community as my community has learned from me. And they have protected me as much as I have protected them. And I think it just goes to show that even though we're walking in this world as independent people and individuals, we are interdependent. And so I believe we both need each other. Everything I learn, I share with them. They grow, they come back, they tell me, hey, you said something and I was able to do this. And while, while they're doing that, I have others who are praying, sharing, giving me nuggets, saying, Terry Carell, why don't you write that book? And so as I continue to inspire them, it has become this beautiful cycle where they inspire me. So I will go as far as to say, even though um, it was never the intention to have such a big community, um, I need my community as much as my community needs me. Through her career, Terry Carell developed a philosophy of staying curious and mastering your skills. She spoke about the requirement for non-negotiable boundaries and the importance of intention, ensuring that you achieve quality rather than quantity in your day-to-day -day activity. Oh, uh, yeah, stay curious. Uh, I think it is, as you rightfully said, it's, it's a mantra, it's a way of life, it's a way of philosophy for me, and I'm going to tell you why. It's very easy to walk into rooms and to to say have passion oh you've ha you gotta have passion um, and it's one thing to also think that you're always going to be able to take advantage of the opportunity that you went out in search of right you pursued a particular career but what I've come to realize is that curiosity really is it you know, there, there are going to be careers there are going to be things and opportunities that you find yourself in not because you love it not because you have passion you may not even have knowledge of it but if you just give your opportunity, if you give yourself just the chance of being curious, just asking yourself, what do I have to lose? How, how bad can this be? What if I go in and this absolutely turns out to be fantastic? Then what? And so even now that I am hosting events all over the world, I have welcomed prime ministers and dignitaries and ambassadors all over the world. And people would probably say, well, you are a master of your industry or you are at the top of your game. For me, I am always staying curious. 
I always want to learn more. I always believe there is more um, room to grow and to improve. And so I believe that if you stay curious, then you commit to being a, a lifelong student. And I think if you always approach things that way, then you're always open to learn, to grow, to develop, to fail, to try again and to improve until you master. And essentially, I think it's one of the core elements that has allowed me to master various um, things. We have to be comfortable with ourselves before we can be comfortable with others. I think we have to come to know ourselves as well. What are our boundaries? What are the things we truly will fight for? What will we stand for? What are the non-negotiables? What are the things I'm not willing to compromise? I'm not willing to jeopardize. And I have to sit and I have to, to have those conversations with myself so that when I establish that with myself, I then can establish it for everyone who comes into contact with me. And so when people come into contact with me, they will also understand, okay, this girl is very serious about the things that she's serious about. And we will respect that. And I think a lot of the times we underestimate our ability and our power to do that. So there is importance in being still and being quiet. And I am very okay with staying home by myself and chilling by myself and enjoying me, myself and I. We're fantastic people to hang out with. Can I tell you? Um, and recharging and refueling and reassessing too if you're still on the right path or should you be looking elsewhere. And I think having been able to do that and being okay with not being a part of a trend or not being in a group or not being the most popular, I think that's it's okay. It's okay. So for me, I say it's more important to be purposeful than popular. For me, it's more important to be magnificent than mediocre. And those are the things that I live by. And we're not going to deny, we're not going to deny that we, we don't have factors, external factors and internal factors that determine the kind of choices we're more likely to make, right? We're not going to sit here and pretend as if um, it's an it's a easy thing to do when you come from a particular community where a certain way of life is a certain way of life. It becomes even harder for you to not only have the intention, but to be able to make that decision that manifests in a positive manner. So we understand that, um, that those things occur. But I think a lot of the times we don't believe we have the choice. A lot of the times we don't think we have the autonomy. A lot of the times we don't think that we have the ability to change our circumstances. And so for me, one of my favorite words in the dictionary besides consent is um, and autonomy naturally is intention. I set my intentions. I'm intentional about the jobs I take. I'm intentional about the clients I have. I'm intentional about the circle of friends I have around me. And for me, it's more about quality than quantity. And that's an intention that I have set. And therefore, my actions now have to fall in line and they have to align with the intention I've set. If I don't do that, then everything is incongruent. If it's incongruent, then I'm not going to get the outcome or the goal that I set out to get. And so that is how I approach a lot of what I do and how I live my life. So three million people could be doing something over here and this is the trend. These are the, oh, everybody's into it and everyone is saying that this is where, that's cool. I don't have a problem saying that's okay for you. For me, these are my intentions and I'm going to stay right here. And so I've developed that discipline and that ability to drown out the crowd and stay in my lane.
Terry Carell places huge importance on the idea of being your authentic self and shares with us how she stays grounded through her spirituality and faith, which helps her to feel thankful and fulfilled. If you are authentic, then you strip away the layers, your protective layers, and then you're left to just you, your very raw self, and that's vulnerable. And you don't know how people are going to accept it. You don't know if they'll accept it. And even if they do accept it, you don't know if reproach will come in. You don't know how they'll take your shame and they'll take all of your honesty and your openness and your transparency and use it against you. And so it's much easier for you to show up in the world in the manner that you think people would want you to show up with. But eventually it's not fulfilling. It's definitely gonna, it's gonna affect your mental health, but it's just not uh, fulfilling. However, what I do want to say is it is, ach- it is achievable, it is attainable. And despite what people will have you think, even if your authenticity removes you from one group, there is always another community and group that can relate to it. We always feel as if we have to be accepted by a certain group, but just trust and believe there are groups and subgroups of people and communities that support all kinds of personalities. And so the idea that, you know, if you're not accepted by one particular group, then you'll, you know, you'll waste away is it's, I think we have enough groups to show that. But I think another part of authenticity is the context though, because I think now we hear about authenticity. People just believe, well, this is how I am and this is who I am and this is how I talk. And I'm going to show up in all my spaces and be who I am loud and strong and This is what the world wants. And I think it's important for us while we're having conversations like this to add context. I do believe that we should show up as our most authentic selves, but I also believe that we should self-edit. I think it is important for us to assess where we are and understand that there is a time and place for everything. And you don't behave. I won't behave the same way I behave around my best friend's when I'm in a boardroom and I will not behave the same way that I behave in a boardroom on a stage. And it isn't that I am showing up as a different Terry Carell. You're still getting the same person with the same core ideas, principles, values, same discipline and consistency. But I have to also understand that there is a limit and that I have to interact with people from all over different backgrounds. And so I can't just show up saying, well, this is who I am, because then what I'm really doing is I am being very disrespectful and I'm disregarding that there are other people around me and I can't center everything around myself. So I think even as we're having conversations about authenticity, I do believe that time and place is everything and that we should be self-editing as we go into different spaces and places. We're to be aware of how authentically we show up. I'm very big on my God. Like, I'll be very honest with you. Um, I think a lot of the times I speak to him, I'm always praying. I'm always in a state of prayer, even if people don't always know it. Sometimes people pass me my car in the mornings that they probably think I'm singing along to some playlist. No, I'm actually praying. Uh, I think my spirituality keeps me very, very grounded. Um, I'm always grateful. I think the moment I wake up and I open my eyes, literally what I say is, thank you. Like, just thank you for giving me the opportunity to wake up and to know that when I go across the, the, the hall, I will see my daughter. And when I tell her it's time to get up for school, she will respond. Like, it's, it's just being grateful for the simplest of things. 
I think before jumping into work, um, I think it is understanding that my priority really is my health. A lot of the times we don't talk about that. We talk about our meetings and, you know, even back to school and, you know, all the things that's going on. But for me, the most important thing that I try to look after is, is my health because I realize without my health, then how do I serve? How well can I serve? How can I carry out my duties, whether it's as a mother, a partner, a friend, or a, or a service provider? Um, my health is a, a huge part of it. Um, and I think being flexible, uh, even how our day starts, I may have a, a list of things that I would like to get done, but I'm also flexible because life happens and so we have to be open to receiving things that happen and being able to adjust as they happen and so literally that's how I stay um, that's how I stay grounded and understanding that really and truly we're not put here on this earth to serve ourselves I think we're literally here and we're put on this earth to make our spaces and places and people better if we choose to and so if I can get up every day and do something or say something that could potentially add value to somebody else's life, I think that helps to keep me extremely grounded, understanding that I'm always here to serve in some way, shape or form. With so many aspects to her career, Terry Carell does not believe in balance, but rather prioritizing on a day-to-day basis. She adds that learning the art of saying no can help to maximize your energy and efforts each day. I don't think there's any such thing as balance. I honestly don't believe. And every, every time I'm invited, like on panels, you know, they always want to ask questions about balancing. I said, first of all, it's a farce, okay? It may look as if we're balancing, but I promise you something is being left out. Um, so, so what I did was, Early in my early days, I used to try to go for the balance, and all balance does is gives you burnout, in my opinion. You try to give everything and everyone that that you consider a priority, and by the way, at that point, everything is a priority. You try to treat everything on the same level, and then you realize that you burn out, and then you're of no use or any service, not only to yourself, but to your priorities. And so I quickly realized that I have to treat career my daughter, in terms of motherhood, my partner, my friends and my family in buckets. And there are days that my career is number one. I mean, a lot of people probably won't admit it, but, and you know, there's another day where Naima, who is my daughter, she's the priority. And so what I'm constantly doing is I'm constantly reassessing things that I should do, definitely have to do, and things that can wait. Um... And so my priority list is always um, shuffling and certainly learning to say no early on out has become so easy and understanding who respects my nose and who respects my boundaries. That makes it even easier for me now to show up in these different places and spaces as a whole person and not a piece of person. You know, so if I'm going to travel for work and I'm going to be away from my daughter for a week, we start prepping. I start prepping, communicating talking, putting in the deep work because I know I'll be gone for a week. So I know I have to prioritize her before I go into the, 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 the week of work. When I hit the week of work, my clients are going to take over my life. And I know that that's temporary. When I get rid of them, I go on to constantly reassessing and reshuffling my priorities. 
So it may look like balance and I think I do a, a, an okay job at it, but that's because I'm not always trying to attend to everyone and everything and trying to be everything to everyone all at the same time. There is an art. There is an art. And when I got my executive liaison, Alex, hey, Alex, how are you doing? Um, one of the first things he said he noticed about me, uh, which was very like, whoa, like you are a real savage. You're like the real deal is how easily I said no. Till a point where he was like, do you ever tell people yes? And I'm like, yeah. You say yes, but you realize um, where you want to spend your time and your energy and your efforts. You start to assess if this is going to be worth your peace. Um, you start to assess, but what you always realize is that when you say no, you don't lose. You actually gain. You gain better. You gain better quality. You get a better opportunity, but you can't do that if you're filling up yourself with trash. You can't. You're saying yes to everything. You're saying yes to everyone that when the good opportunity comes, you can't even you can't even extend your hands to accept it or the blessings because you're just too full. So the first thing I learned is to say no and not just to say no. I explain and I communicate why I'm saying no because I do not want you to walk away misunderstanding or misconstruing. So I will tell you, oh, I'm a, I am unavailable. It doesn't mean that I'm doing something else. It just means I'm unavailable for this particular project because I have so-and-so going on. And people usually, I, I find respected, people usually fear that people will take your no's as um, personal insults. But what I've come to realize is when you contextualize your no, people actually go, oh, understood. So if it means they have to come back with more information or a, a better proposal, then they do that. But you have given them enough information to do so. As she looks to the future, Terry Carell sees many more opportunities for her to discover, as long as she can be flexible, learn new skills, and navigate life as best she can. As she says, we're in it for the long haul. I think, well, one, I'm just extremely grateful that I get to dive into the deep ends, as you put it, and, and I get to explore and discover new talents. Um, a lot of us sometimes fear doing that. We get comfortable in one space and we think, all right, this is it. We're going to hold on to it for dear life and we're going to ride it until we die. And for me, I've just been grateful enough to see new spaces and not fear stepping into it. And then when you step into that space, you realize there's just so much more. You realize sometimes you're only, to other people looking out, it looks like a lot. And for you, you could honestly feel like I'm just, I'm just scratching I feel as if I'm just scratching the surface, actually. I think there's so much more out there for me to discover and explore, but I usually let it happen in a very organic manner. So all the things that I've become, author, podcaster, presenter, TV host, event host, none of these things I had planned. I didn't plan any of these. They were all spin-offs of mastering one particular thing and then laying a block and saying, let me master something else. And so I've just been taking steps and that's how I'm ending. I'm stacking. I'm stacking new skills in new areas. And so I've literally just been pivoting all my life and just adding and stacking new skills as I go along. Life doesn't seem to get easier, does it? Regardless of what we say, think or do, how well we try to live our lives, it just seems like Life and the world around us is burning. That's how it feels and that's how it looks. 
And we have a right to be frustrated and annoyed and irritated and angry and desperate. And it is, it is, it is even expected that we will feel like giving up at times. But I promise you, when it feels its worst, really what you are is just a seed. A seed has been sown and it's not ready yet to burst with fruit. But even in the darkest of times, just continue to water your fruit. Focus on your fruit. Focus on your seed. Fertilize it. Nurture it. Take care of it. Do not look on other people's grass. You can admire their grass, but don't try to compete with it. Don't wonder anything about it. Focus on your grass. And in time, that seed will grow and it will bear more fruit than you ever imagined. And when you bear that fruit, understand it's not just for you to eat, but for you to share with other persons so that they can eat from the fruit as well. So you'll be okay. Stick to it. It's a long road. We're in it for the marathon. We're not in it for the sprint. And I'm rooting for you. The Driving Me podcast is brought to you by Toyota Jamaica. Toyota Jamaica now leases directly to your business, tailoring lease and lease-to-own options with island-wide maintenance included. From the RAV4 to the Prado, High Ace to the Hino, you can refresh your fleet with fixed monthly charges in US dollars or Jamaican dollars. For more information on Toyota lease products for your business, call or click today. This podcast is produced by Record Media. Subscribe now to hear the full series.